speak to Americans in the cab and they come in and they say, you've got the greatest, you, you had the greatest cab service in the world. Yeah. Why is there any need for the likes of Uber? Yeah. We are the envy of the world yeah. everywhere. Thank you for supporting our channel. Thank you for supporting Wizan. Please like, subscribe, comment, and hit the notification bell for any future videos. It's lovely to see you. Really, you know that I, you're a very, very dear friend for me. Well, that's very kind of you to say, sir. No, I don't know why, but I've always been fond of you from day one. And day one was 29 years ago, I think. Wow. So, uh, we, and I was saying to you the other day, we met in Exeter Street. You was in your cab. We, I was with Jason. I was on my Cub 90 and I uh, pulled up beside your window. You didn't get out of your cab, lazy sod. <laughs> you just sat there. And uh, Jason said to me that you was one of the oldest cab drivers even then, but you really wasn't. You was kind of a butter boy then. <laughs> so just for those watching, Dave, uh, Pete's a 29 badge. 29580. What year was that, Pete? 1981, September the 15th, 1981. Wow. 42 years last Friday. Dave, that's the year. I mean, that was the year we left school. It is the year we left school, 81, yeah. So you started driving a cab when we left school. I'm here today with Peter Maynard and my good friend Dave Frampton for just a really slightly different podcast than usual, just a, a chat with two legends. Dave's already a legend. He's been out <laughs> three years and he's a legend. And Pete, you've been out so long, it's ridiculous. I mean... 42 what? years. 42 years. Wow. And it's, I, I could actually still remember my very first... I picked... I. I'd signed a, a Wangler con a contract with a Stuart's Garage in Farm Lane, if yep. anybody remembers Farm Lane. It's not the Farm Lane. We know Farm Lane very well, but it's the Wangler contract that they're not going to know well, what that is. The Wangler contract was when you was on your in your final stages of the knowledge, you would go into to do your suburbs and the like. You would actually sign a pre-contract with a garage to actually drive one of their cabs for a, for a period of time. So... Basically, they would give you a, f a free cab for you to do your suburbs, save you having to traipse out to far-off places such as Kingston and and the likes. Yeah. And halfway down, up the A41. That faded out, didn't it, the Wanglers? They don't yes, do it now. Yeah, I know. Did you know what it meant? No. no, no, no. What is it? What is it? What it says, basically, yeah, you've got a contract before you got out. Yeah, and, yeah. and you, you, you'd, you'd sign a contract to drive one of their cabs for, for three months and... And that sim simple as that. Mm. And it was, um, I remember my first cab, WYL455S. Well, now you've, sorry, you've reminded me, uh, H160YUL, uh, which is our cab. Our, our, yeah. Our so break. I bought Pete's cab for overpriced, I think <laughs> £8,000, I think I bought it from you for. Uh, it's funny you actually say that because I remember you obviously, you paid me cash and I walked into M&O's to buy the new one. I think it was C... I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what cab it was actually. Like I actually bought um, after H. Oh, it would have S741 LGN. And I remember walking into the M and O showroom on the on the way road <laughs> with a bag full of cash. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Well, this is going to take a bit of time, Mister Maynard." Yeah, cash for the whole for the whole. Well, not for the whole thing. Obviously, I find finance a little bit, but the actual deposit, what you actually mm. gave to me in cash. They had to go and, and they had half a dozen secretaries upstairs. <laughs> so you bought a brand new cab then, Dave. You've bought the brand new cab now. No, no. You didn't go in there with a bag of cash. You didn't go in there with no, seventy grand. No, 
And now I tried pay- to, do you know what? I tried to pay by a debit card, and I, I did. I sold. I just paid by debit card, and you couldn't. They couldn't do it. It won't take it, or they, they don't won't do it. You know why? Because the commission on because even a commission is a commission to charge oh, for a debit card. Where, is it? So bank transfers free, right? So yeah, paid deposit five hundred quid by a debit card, and the rest had to go. I had to physically go into the bank and do it, which is like you know, they didn't want it. Uh, yeah, they didn't want it, the fee. Oh dear! Do you remember? I mean, we're talking number plates as if this was a thing. We could name the number plates. I I, I can actually remember every single one of my cabs yeah. that I've ever. My first ever cab was from the old M and O's down on Wandsworth Bridge Road. That was O Y L seven three two Y. Was it FX four? No, that was an FX four R. Oh, the one, the, <laughs> the, the, the one that wouldn't go up Highgate Hill. But if that you was, had, if that you was the four, Metro cab, yeah, as well. If you, if you had four passengers in, yeah. you, had, you had to explain to them. <laughs> one, one, one had to push. One, yeah. one, no, one's going to have to get out and jump, <laughs> jump on the bus to get up the. <laughs> but that, that, that was. That, that Luck, luckily, I actually when it comes never to got tra- a fare up like it. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, no, but that that was a a real dog of a cab. Yeah, but luckily, I traded it in after two years with very very low mileage, and M and O's was pretty fair. Yeah, in what they actually gave me as a as a trading because after that they replaced something on the cogs to give them a bit more. Oomph, it was so normal so. though, wasn't it? I mean, I, the, the fairway was better. But I did have a metro cab. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not, I rem- yeah. I, yeah, I remember you. Either before cab, or after, yeah. yeah. Um, but that, when you went up Dartmouth Park Hill, you could literally get out of the cab and walk beside it. <laughs> it was as if it was in drive on flat ground. That was how yeah, fast yeah. it would get up that hill. And that's no exaggeration. I don't mm. think people fully appreciate how dreadful the speed was. Yeah, it was. Everyone said it. Even I wanted a cab driver. I used to see them all so going so slow. <laughs> Couldn't do uh, anything. Right. Yeah. No. You'd have well, your why? Why right was that? It was the wrong combination of. Uh, maybe gearbox to engine and to weight ratio it just nothing was mm. everything on it was lego so the headlights were off a ford granada uh the handles were off a honda civic everything was taken off other models of car and put together and i think as i said to you just today this power steering pump which was classic you would turn the steering wheel it would rip the power steering pump off of the engine and then so all the bolts have gone so you have to have it reboard to have the bolts put in and it would rip off again so it, it just, the power steering couldn't cope with the pump to turn the wheels. It was dreadful. I actually did have a cab wheel that actually happened on, on one of the uh, FX4s. Yeah. And basically... That's same it, thing. The same thing. It, it sheared it off. Because when the initial steering box had been changed, if it had been changed and you hadn't had a shim put in it, then M&O's wouldn't give the warranty. If, it, if, you did, if you had your gearbox, the uh, sorry, steering box changed and had the shim put in, it would have been okay. They would they would have honoured the repair on it. Yeah. Because the shim wasn't put in. Blank. What was the shim in the gearbox? It? No, it, it, it's just a shim on the steering box. All just right. a little, what, what they call them? A, a bush. Like a spacer. So a, like a washer, spacer, yeah. Like a yeah. Washer, basically, yeah. which just raised it up. But obviously that's... M- trying to deal with uh, M and O's is yeah. so it was out of line then, really. Yeah, basically, yeah, 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 it wasn't lined up correctly from yeah. the original. Right, that's so where it pack it up to. Well, he just brought us here though, here, Dave, today in his nice electric cab. So you've done almost every model. I have, yes, with uh, cobwebs. That one. Well, then, yeah, there was cobwebs yeah, in your what? electric cab. Was that, now. was that was that an extra? <laughs> that, that, that's that's testament to how much I actually do work these days. I, but how do you find that electric in comparison? To oh, it's Basically, what happened, I was guy, old guy, 
well, I say old guy, he's actually a guy of my age, Jeff, over in Sydney. I was been renting off him. Pr- prior to COVID, I was renting a, a TX off of him. And then obviously, once things went down to Swanee, then I packed up and took a job elsewhere for a, a short period of time working for uh, a Majesty's Government down at uh, Manston Airport. For what, his customs? No, no. It was something similar. When the Brexit kicked in... Mm-hmm. And what they, what Manston Airport was being used as a holding park for all the lorries going over to France and Dover, well, going through Dover, through to France. And Manston Airport was a giant car park of 3,000 lorries at one time. So I got the uh, wonderful job of processing the, uh, the dangerous good vehicles wow. whilst waiting to go over. To, and obviously we was checking because COVID had kicked in at that time. So this is a COVID job? It, it, no, it wasn't actually basically a COVID job, but we was having to make sure that the the drivers had the correct paperwork to travel to France because yeah. the, the French government was is, insisting that... They changed that, the paperwork rules because of the no, Brexit? No, they was insisting that the, the, the drivers would be fully vaccinated going back oh. into France. So we had, we had various... Uh, Divisions of the army. We had the Gurkhas. They're actually doing. Yeah. We didn't physically test the the drivers, but it was the army who was, whose job it was. Yeah. We was just we was there to do the paperwork. But ironically, I I was working with four other London cab drivers whilst down. How down did there. That well, basically, we we was working for a company called Right Guard, who were a, a, a deodorant. Uh, yeah, 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 deodorant <laughs> company. Yeah, a, a Kent based security guard come when i actually applied for the job i thought oh this is it i'm going to be working at the <laughs> at the airport doing but lo and behold when we actually got there we was no, no more than pen pushers box yeah. tickers so and what have you but it, it turned out to be quite truthful with the four of us we had an absolute scream yeah four days on four days off 12 hour shifts but i built up a really good friendship with particularly two of the guys who we're still in contact with now yeah. and it's so what was it this was I heard then that you was working as a greeter at Asda? Did you work as a greeter? Uh, I'll cut that uh, bit out of this show. Working with greeter. <laughs> I, I can honestly categorically deny I have never worked. I, I, think, think, Jason, I think Jason told me, Jason says to me, do you ever heard about Pete? I said, what? He's, he's only working as a greeter in Asda. I said, what? He's a cab driver. What's he working for? Oh, because you had some, and obviously you got better, you had some health issues. Yes, uh, Back in 2013, I was waking up in the night with chest pains and discomfort in the chest. Because I'd previously had a, a, a cardiac history, as they put it, back yeah. in 1990, I'd, uh, I was one of the first persons to ever have the... Uh, an, it wasn't actually a stent back in 1990. It was the an, angiogram right. when they put the balloon in. But that actually worked so well that it actually used me as a case study as to how well yeah. angioplasty actually works. But... Further down the line, 13 years later, because I was getting these chest pains, an overzealous doctor sent me to St Thomas's Hospital to, to be checked out whilst doing carrying out a further angiogram. They did a dissection and ripped open my arteries on a T-section, causing necessity me to actually have five stents in one area. So they caused and, the problem? But they, they actually called it... An, Basically, it was well. I knew I was in trouble when the uh, the, the on call surgeon said to somebody, "Could you ring my wife and tell her I'm going to be home late? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be home on Wednesday." <laughs> and I, I'm I'm laying up because obviously while you're having this procedure, you, you, you're wide awake, yeah, and you're watching it on banks of screens all around you, yeah? 
and you're thinking, God, I'm, I'm in trouble. And then they kept saying, are you, uh, what, what's, what's the pain like on a scale of one to 10? And I was like, 11. Yeah. And it, 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 it was horrendous. But the, the irony of it was, once they got me up into ICU, which is the intensive care unit up on the upper floors, the, the consultant come up to me and said, he said, you know the sad thing about this? He said, your heart was disgustingly healthy. Oh. And so the issue was by exploratory surgery, in a sense. Yes, cause you major histories. Cause, cause, but but since then, obviously, I have to jump through hoops every three years with yeah. the PCO. To me too. The, the medical thing for me has been a, a nightmare. Oh, they, they cause aggravation every but time. Basically, it's it's box ticking. Yeah, box ticking. It, it is box ticking to it, it to a ridiculous. In actual fact, my. You're going to laugh at this. My <laughs> consultant at St Thomas's was Doctor Clap, <laughs> but in actual fact, he he, he was old school because so I think he was probably he, he was come from Cambridge, and yeah. I think he probably won a scholarship because he was a real down to earth, yeah. really nice guy. And you could you go in there, and he would he would deaf and blind, and and he actually he did actually threaten to take the uh, TFL to task over what they was insisting on. Weren't they it, maybe responsible for some compensation because you're going to lose your job if this is well? Aside. Basically, I did go down that road, but unfortunately, with the medical profession. It's very, very hard to get one doctor to go against another doctor's mm. word. And yeah. unfortunately, and I was advised in so many terms by someone in the hospital, look, you're not going to really gain too much out of it for all the stress and tribulations you will get from it. Yeah. Just drop it. So yeah. I did, Dave, you had, did you have medical with no issues at all? Oh, no, no, I'm a healthy person. You know that. Well, you don't look it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I called it a matty just now, I was. <laughs> no, I, I get aggro, and um, so I thought you might have get something. Uh, I, well, COVID one I did. COVID one, because when we did uh, the badge at COVID time, it was horrendous trying to get anyone to do anything. Yes, you so, said about the doctor through the oh, window. Oh, God, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that was... No. Uh, that was quite sort of COVID, but other than that, no, I've, I've renewed it just this year, and uh, no, it went, went straight through. Yeah. Well, my, my Mr. Box, saying about box ticking, he, the four or five heart boxes, he forgot to tick one. All he had to do was go down and tick it. Um, I get a letter back, and I, I pulled him up yesterday, the admin. The letter comes back. You've not passed the correct medical details to us. You have 28 days to correct this thing. And it's like everything was really threatening. It's like, it's a box missed, you know. Mm. Just keep, calm down. But you've now got the aggro, haven't you? You've got to go back to the doctor, make an appointment to the doctor, say to him, can you tick this box that you missed? Um, and then after that, hopefully everything's okay. But if you have a, um, a blood pressure test and it's something over 100, so the lower number is in the 100, you, you can't drive. You have to get your blood pressure below something over 100. It's got to be 99 and less. Yeah, so hundreds when they start to get worried. Yeah, almost on the lower number. So it could be one forty over ninety nine, you're fine. Yeah, one forty over hundred, not fine. One twenty over hundred, you're not fine. That lower number being hundred is yeah. the breaking point. Yeah, it's like when I have to do my stress. I do a stress echo cardiogram because of every medical. Every three years, you do, you do you've it. got to go through the tests every three years. Yeah, the stress echo test. Yeah, but basically, but because. The normal procedure would that be to do the Bruce protocol on the treadmill. But what happens with me, because of my extent to my stenting in five in, the, my 
Q waves fall just outside of the parameter of acceptability. Right. So they have to do an alternative thing. And so I fall in line with, so I do a, what a stress echocardiogram is basically they inject serum into yeah. and to, to, to get your heart beating. And then obviously they can tell, but it doesn't affect the Q waves. So are you it, suggesting that the doctors are actually trying their best to manipulate the data so that it comes out in your favour? I wouldn't be saying that, no. <laughs> <laughs> because they do. Yeah. They, they do. I mean, I had my blood pressure done, and he done it with the electric machine, and it was like, it was too high. And he said, oh, sorry. then we need the manual one. He gets the manual one out, and he's like, yeah, yeah that's more like it. That's what we need. And they changed the arm as well. Changed the arm, yeah. yeah. Try, try the yeah. Just, let's do it again. <laughs> just sit there and it just... Because they know it's not that. You're not sky high. No. You know, you're borderline or just above it. And, and another thing is you've just walked there. You may have walked there and just got there. And like me, I've called, called straight in. Yeah. And then, because the blood pressure's going to be slightly high. I put it down to white coat syndrome. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's yeah. what it basically mm. is, yep. isn't it? Mm. It is. Well, it's, a, it's a well-known fact. So, so Pete, how old are you now? 67. 67 is there a point uh, a point when you have to do the, the medical every year yeah I do I'm, I'm, you do it every I'm, year now I'm currently uh, after the age of 65 do you have to go f- do you have to go through all of what you've just said no every basically year? the your annual checkup with your GP is yearly and the cardiac test is every three years mm. which I'm fortunate a lot of the guys they have end up having to pay for it six seven hundred pounds to that place up in barnet where you can actually go to to have it done mm. but all i do is i where i say i built up a good relationship with my consultant at st thomas's i just email i said brian it's that time again yeah and he actually he just does it he just does it on the nhs so you're robbing the NHS. the nhs basically yes why not well, I think yes. Payback time. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's better than I thought because I thought I did think first of all is do, and do uh, every year all of it. But no, no, agro, 60, it? getting over sixty five is not that much to worry about. Then mm. Mm. no, not really. Every no. year we go to go to our GP. Me and you are going to be coming to that button soon. Is it that much of a pain to do all of it every three years? Or no, what? actually no. saying that that my last one I did in my, my it, the, it was my GP. I got one, I had a wonderful GP, Doctor Wolfgang Wallet. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Of the Woodland Surgery in Sidcup, big up for Wolfgang, and, he, yeah. and it was his actual Wolf. last day of practice in the NHS. So he was probably on on a jolly up, and we sat there talking for 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 ages whilst he was actually ticking ticking the boxes. His, his real name was Wolfgang Wallet. His real name was Wolfgang Wallet, but he was actually uh, he actually did train at St Thomas's for, but he'd been over over here for many. And the other years. doctor was called Ivor Clap. Doctor Brian Clap. Brian Clap. <laughs> All happens at St Thomas's, uh, and you're you're really healthy now. Yes. How many years did it did it put you out? Because I know you wasn't driving a cab all the time for this period. Yeah. Uh, with that, I was off probably I think about nine months. Nine months. With, so you was nine months working as a greeter in Asda, and then you came back to the trade. <laughs> I imagined you <laughs> with your greatest badge. <laughs> My name's Pete. I'm here to welcome you in town. No, for, 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 fortunately, at that time, my my outgoings was 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 relatively low, yeah. and I was at the, uh, the the luxury of the reaping in my LTDA sickness payments, which oh, which is something to talk about. Yeah, listen, people 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 do knock the LTDA, but when it comes to things such as that, obviously. The, the insurance payments and that yep. and obviously legal things if when you get accused wrongly by certain passengers have you had I, that yes i did i actually had a 
gentleman, he was a, he, this guy was actually the doorman on the uh, the park. What's the the Park Lane Hotel on Piccadilly when it was called the Park, oh, Lane, park Lane Hotel on Piccadilly? Park yes, Lane it's Hotel. now next to the Athenium. Yes, but what was it called? What's it called now, Dave? You know the Athenium on Piccadilly. Mm-hmm. There was the Park Lane Hotel was next door, Brick Street, Down oh, Street. Ask the cab, ask the cab driver. Uh, I don't ask me. <laughs> Just past the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> Well, I can see it, yeah, but I can't say it. It must be called the Park Lane. I, didn't no, know I it thought it's still Park Lane, isn't it? That why do you, why do you think it's changed to change names? Is no, it not Park it, Lane? It, it, or has it got a chain? It, it's, it's, Is it a chain? It's, it's one, one of those chains. It's names. actually one of the chains. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so this particular evening... Is it a Sheraton? Yes, it, it is Sheraton Park Lane. Is the we got there eventually. Between yeah, the three of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How many years of knowledge between us? No, you know, come on, yeah, let's well, be fair. Well, We've done our stuff. We've done our days. We knew what we knew. And if we can pull something, brilliant. Anyway, this, this one particular evening, it was busy. Uh, I noticed a link man on the, the hotel. He was hailing passing Ubers to put passengers in. And I pulled, basically, I pulled over and had a few choice words with him. And that was it. Forgotten. Drove off. Picked up the fare. Then about two weeks later, I was out driving through Kensington Gore. I pulled alongside a Mercedes, class Mercedes it was, with an Uber sticker on the side of it. And lo and behold, I looked across and I actually see it was the link man from the hotel driving yeah, d- driving an Uber. And obviously a, a few few choice words was actually said, nothing untoward. So you had the ump, basically. With his well, I, I had the ump and I said, I wonder if you're a... Uh, your hotel manager knows that what you do, what what you you actually do, and how you actually mm. how Hoobers on the street in Piccadilly to to stick the hotel clients in, and he did nothing. Anyway, a few days later, I was the proprietor. I was driving for said, "Oh, we've got a, had a telephone call from the uh, Ladbroke Grove Police Station. They want you to go in and actually speak to them." And obviously, what he had done, he had levelled accusations of racism. Against, oh. against me and so obviously things of that nature are taken very very seriously so lo and behold i rang the old cda and they i met a lovely young barrister or not barrister but a solicitor, solicitor outside the police station on the said morning and we actually went in she forewarned me as to what they would try to do and try to say but as it happened the i sat down and was interviewed by a lovely wpc who I think straight away you could tell that it was a, a spurious uh, yeah. accusation. And basically, I, I, I won't repeat what I was supposed to have actually said. Oh. What I said to him. Okay, so he's lied about what you actually he's said. Like, he's like, totally, totally lied. He's played but a card there, isn't he? He's, he, he, he's he, sad he, that they he's, have to do he's, that. He's, he's played a card and it's... Just, just ridiculous. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I sat and had a conversation with a WPC, and she said, "This ain't going no further," and and and, yeah. and that was the end of it. But it just goes to show how easily it is for these guys to make up. Yeah, and and uh, you're also the, saying um, the LTDA are there? They were there with you. Yeah, exactly, I'm not trying exactly, to do a yeah. big up for the LTDA yeah. in any way, but like you say, they do get knocked uh, very often for other aspects. Yeah. These are the, the good aspects. Yeah, they they was there for me twice. I I had two <laughs> I had two periods of long periods of sick mm-hmm. on the LTDA. Uh, just go back to regards to what we we're talking about the health issues with TFL on my on my first occasion back in 1990 when I had the the original angiogram the Public carriage office wrote me a wonderful letter saying, after it all, said, we wish you 
all the best of health and we wish you a long and happy career as a cab driver. Yeah. Do you think TfL would ever send you out a letter? No, you've just said that. that was the difference, wasn't it? Yeah. You used to get commented on for having a, a career where not one single complaint was put in against mm. you. It would be mentioned and kept in your record. Not This guy would be 80 years old, driven a cab since he was 22, not one complaint. It would be something that was... Mm-hmm. A, a, yeah. a medal of honour, uh, but no, there's no medals of, on, medals of honour anymore in um, that sense. No, not at all. Not at all. It really is, as as we said previously, it's box ticking. Yeah, by a faceless person up in Sheffield who sits there and they look at their screen, and because the criteria is not fulfilled. Yep. Well, I found that out recently as well. The Sheffield part is is a the box ticking part it's an outsourced piece of work and then everything yeah. comes back to them and they do it as if it was them it was very confusing for me so when you're speaking to Sheffield you're speaking to I think to Sheffield only checked the documents don't they? yes but That's so you've you got nothing to do with Sheffield you, no. want, you, want, no. you don't want to speak to them people always thought that when you ring up or used to ring up or emails <laughs> that they were going to Sheffield but they're not actually are they well there was a stage where you did ring mm. up and you were talking to Sheffield to get payments sort of sorted out and they would hang up on you they would, they, do you remember Daryl mm. Daryl phoned me and said, Dino, I'm trying to get this feed paid and they keep hanging up on me. I said, I, I don't believe it, Daryl. Let me phone up. I phoned up and I said, listen, I'm trying to pay this fee. Uh, there's a problem with the the details. You put in the details and it won't take the money every time you do this particular guy. And uh, she started to get this little bit snotty and then she hung up on me. And I said, I don't believe it. How, she's, I said, are you working? Oh, I, what made her hang up? I said, sorry, are you working from home? Bosh. Hung up. Well, I think <coughs> they... Uh, you, they do work from home. Yeah. Because you, sometimes you, you're a kid screaming. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah some, I've had people, like, yeah. not, not them, but they, they, I can tell they're out of the shops. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we can't take that at the moment, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but I, can, I can hear their head like blue water or wherever. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I, you have to wait for a call back, and that's when they finish their shopping. Yeah. <laughs> do you want cash back with that? You hear in the background. <laughs> This is the modern uh, world, isn't it? Eh? Oh dear. So, Pete, well, other things I wanted to talk to you about because you've got, like Dave's got some fantastic stories. So, I'm going to fill you in on one of Dave's and then you can fill us because you've got the Spandau Ballet connection. Yes, sir. Dave's got a bigger connection. Dave was on the oh. set of The Warriors. Well, I don't know if you know the film The Warriors. I was on, I was on quite a few. My mum's uh, brother, my uncle. Johnny was an electrician on films. He, he was an electrician in Surrey Docks as a youngster. And he went to America in 1965 and ended up being on many films, in, including The Warriors. But, um, yeah, and, w- and when we was out there in 74, 76, and 78, and that, we used to go on different sets, on all, all different movies. And when we used to come back and we lived in uh, Burmese at the time, we, we used to tell people, and no one believed us. So we stopped telling people yeah. that we had actually been on, like, the original Stepford Wives. And I met people like Catherine Ross and uh, Brian Forbes and people like that, directors. And, that, and, and I, I just stopped telling anyone, anyone, for years and years and years, really, until I was having a conversation with him, because I just thought, it's pointless. No one believes that he was on all these sets and these great movies. But, yeah, as a kid, I was. Yeah. Do you know the Warriors? You don't remember the Warriors? Yes. The Wanderers was the... Yeah. The Warriors and the Wanderers, there was the gang films of yeah. the 70s. Yeah. And the Warriors is an absolute classic. Oh, we was only on the, the, the bit of it, the, the, the start of it, was Cyrus has come out to play in it, and it was all for the night in the park. And I always... I remember the, the, the policeman being there. And I can't remember which way round it was. Now. The, the, I remember my uncle saying, the real policeman's in the light shirt and the, the, the actors yeah, in the yeah, dark shirt they had the, the, sli- the only thing you could tell was a slightly different s- colour of blue shirt or whatever they had on so the real police were monitoring the they, situation they looked exactly the same you know, yeah. but they, they knew 
Yeah. They, they, and they'd done that deliberate so that people could tell the difference. Um, well, well Pete's story is he was chucked out of Spandau Ballet <laughs> because he just couldn't, couldn't drum properly on True. He was playing True. Uh, uh, right, here we go. Right, my, well, claims of actually prior, prior, Actually, prior to that, I had another claim. I was, uh, I was caught it, well, I say courted, but I was chatted up by a, a young lady from called Susan from Elmstead Woods, who later in life become a Susie and the Banshees. We, no way! We, we used to go to uh, the old club in Neil Street, yep. uh, Covent Garden, uh, Shagaramas, which yes. then morphed into the Roxy, the, the famous punk club. But yep. back in the day, I've been talking about, oh, showing me age now, in the mid-70s, she was... That's where it started. This is where Sex Pistols. No, no, no. Because back back in Shagaramas was a a moody little suedo, trendy stroke gay mm-hmm. sort of like, but like as a lot of the places was in Soho there, and it it was a place where like Philip Salon and all those wannabe dressing up kids later come from, and yeah. that that was that was their original stomping ground in Shagaramas, and obviously she was one of the, and then a few times, because she lived in Elmsted Woods, I lived in Bermondsey, she gave me a lift home a few times, because she, she used to have a, a car come to pick her up. So this scene, you're, I mean, the Spandau Ballet is the new romantic scene, and you're now talking about the punk scene, but, um, were she, you a punk? This was before, you. Yeah. I was the only punk who wore an Armani. Uh, oh shit, was <laughs> you a punk, Dave? No, no, I was no. the only... Rude boy. Uh, was uh, you? Uh, yeah. I, I, I had an Armani, an Armani leather jacket, which was in like a, a biker stuff, and I was the only one who would put punk pin badges <laughs> into that. But any, anyway. Armani punk, which but is it, an old genre of yeah, itself. Yeah, anyway, but Susie, she, she, she actually asked me out. She asked me out to go to a gig with her at the Hammersmith Odeon to see uh, Ian Hunter, of, he, he of Motley Hoople fame. Yeah. And I... <laughs> <laughs> historic I, I blanked her I said because mm, I was actually that night I was actually going out with a girl that I'd been wanting to yeah is, is she dead now Susie and the man she's no she's she's still she's still alive and kicking actually a friend of mine actually went to see her so she's week. still doing gigs yeah she still played at Coco in Camden yeah because she will get an audience because they all oh, they all get yeah, an audience yeah no she's apparently she's very very uh Mm. Very, very, very you, good. You know Susie and Yeah, of course. But you, how about well, Gary Newman? Was there was any Gary Newman connections here as well. No, no. no I hated no, Gary Newman. No, no Gary Newman. Oh, yeah. It was rubbish music, really. It was yeah. rubbish. Yeah. It was electronic. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he married his biggest fan, didn't he? Gary Newman. He married one of the fans. That's right. Yeah, that's Did right. He? Yeah. Um, but his music was dreadful. Anyone could have done it at the time. It was nothing. Mm. Uh, thingy, but it was funny for me why he was so successful. I think it was the look, isn't it? Because the the new romantics came in with looks. Yeah. Like you've still got the new romantic hairstyle, I can see. <laughs> at sixty-seven, <laughs> and you did, you know, you do need a haircut. I, I, I was actually uh, due to have one, but mm-hmm. through a, a mess up with my calendars. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, <laughs> we're we're well aware of that yeah, today, aren't we? My secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more on that. But with regards to uh, Martin Kemp, I obviously I was involved playing. I used to play the drums in various rubbish bands, mm-hmm. and then I actually. Put an advert in. I remember it. I put an advert out in uh, New, New Musical Express when it yeah, existed NME. for uh, a, guitar, a rhythm, rhythm guitarist and a, and a bass player. You put the ad out. I actually put the ad out. Yes. You created Spandau Ballet. No, this, no, this, no, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't Spandau Ballet. It was Martin. It, no, don't get, don't get this wrong. No, no. It, it, it was actually Martin, and I put an, an advert out. Uh, 
along the words, along the lines of looks over ability, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't matter if you couldn't play, but you you had yeah. to have the light. Yeah, to look right, right. Right, look. Anyway, Ma- Martin Kemp, who we now know yeah. as Martin Kemp, he actually applied and he brought along a, uh, a young guy, John Irvin, who actually we was talking about the Packington Estate earlier. Mm. And he lived on the Packington Estate. Martin lived on over on Union Square off yeah. of, in New North Road way. And we, we used to rehearse on the corner of... St. Peter Street, there used to be a, a younger's tartan pub called the Swinging Sporran. Oh. Which, it was a, a famous, like, disco pub back in the 70s, but apparently there had been a, a murder in there, so it actually closed down mm. the lower floors of it. And so we used to rehearse in the basement of this pub. It was only me, Martin, and, and Martin was actually our rhythm guitarist and singer. But ironically, a song we used to sing, what Martin claimed, he actually wrote was called that's true oh yeah. and it go. went like this that's true <laughs> funny how it seems <laughs> and, uh, and, but we thought it was strange after a few weeks martin started asking our bass player i said oh I, f- I fancy learning bass can i take your bass home to to play yeah to, like have a play around with and then a couple of weeks later he turned around and says sorry guys i'm leaving you i'm joining <laughs> I'm joining my brother's bands, obviously. With Martin, I can, man, Martin's the, the older or the younger of the brothers? Martin's the younger. So Martin's the good... Um, Martin's a TV personality and... Who was the one that was in the Whitney Houston film, The Bodyguard? I don't know, they're both, they're both childhood actors from... Well, there's not any children, but in the, the Kevin Cosner film, one of the brothers was in the Kevin Cosner film. He's the... He played the agent, the manager of, of Whitney Houston. I don't... Don't know that one. Okay, well, that's the thing they're, they're both products of the Anishers. Which one was in EastEnders? That's Martin. Okay, so he's, I think he's kind of taller, yeah, I imagine. The, the, yeah, the, the, and he's the, the younger one, one, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the younger, yeah. Yeah, now I know. But actually, I have to say, both, because I've met Gary a couple of times, yeah. and they're both extremely nice guys, and so... Did he but, write the that, that song you said, That's True? Did well, he write that I, one? I don't... Well, he... he I don't... I've never, never ever actually looked at the... Uh, Can you hum the, cre- hum the tune? Hum the tune. You remember it? <laughs> I, I do remember it. <laughs> extremely well. Not not my genre nowadays, basically. No, you're you're a soul man, aren't you? I'm a soul man. I've been uh, I've actually been DJing longer than I've actually been cab driving. Oh, I started uh, I started DJing in '75. Particularly, my first uh, residency was down the Acne Road. In actual fact, Queensbridge Road, to be precise, in the Acorn Pub. I used to work with the uh, the topless go-go dancers back in which, seventies, yeah, seventy-six in the Acorn. What was it like then? Because the Hackney Road for me and you, Dave, you was Hackney Road boy as well. It, I was coming from South East London. Yeah, I, in the eighties. I, 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 I was the eighties. Yeah, me yeah. when I was there. I actually worked in a fuel establishments down there because the guy who was the manager in the Acorn, a guy called Paul Foster, he used to like place DJs in various. Establishments mm. up and down, and I used to do the acne carriage on a ironically cab. the acne cab on on a Monday night. Not September's, was, not September. The, it was called the acne cab mm. back yeah. then. No, the acne cab. Yeah, next yeah. to the old Yale X. It was further. Yale X on one side, acne cab. It's a bag shop now. I think it's called the acne bag is shop. It, something. That's it. But yeah, I, I, I did September's was a good pub. Yeah. yeah, but I did five five lunch times in there. Then. I picked up my residences in South London. I worked in the Royal Fort in Bermondsey. I, I don't give you a great deal of respect for being a DJ, as I've never given any DJ a great 
deal of respect. I think anyone can play records. This is just um, a fallacy for me that it's any talent involved whatsoever. No, you, you see, I, I, I would totally refute that because basically, no, it's unrefutable. You, you, no, you. I, I, I agree. I think I think it's odd. I think I think it's odd. I'd be, I'd be rubbish. Put, Back put, then, put a needle on the record. I'd be I could no, scratch listen, it. it as I say, any, any anybody can call themselves a DJ, but but that was probably my point. Yeah, there are a lot of people who call themselves well, DJs. Cu- cu- currently, that's, that's a bit of a standing joke on the on the soul scene that I participate in. That anybody thinks they're a d- DJ, but it, it's not true. It mm. really, you've got to really know. A for me, first and foremost, you've got to know your music inside out. Mm-hmm. You've got to know how to work your music. You've got to have a musical background. Obviously, yeah. mine comes from playing the drums. I can count to four, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that that is the essence. But can you play a straight eight? I can indeed. That is the essence of actually saying that. Talking of drums, I had a band I played in a garage band with. Funny enough, another cab driver, John Phelps, and another couple of reprobates from the, the Woolwich area back, oh, I'm trying to think how many years ago. Anyway, to cut a long story short, one of the, our singer Jim, actually one we used to rehearse on a Saturday morning, and he brought a load of stuff in, and he brought me in this old brass snare drum, which basically, it was really battered, and anyway, to cut a long, and it's been sitting up in my loft in various places, in, I had a phone call two weeks ago from my son, who's uh, a very successful musician, yep, yep. I should add, and he said, get that snare drum out of the, out of the uh, uh, one's recently sold for $15,000. Well, your son <laughs> it, asked you to get it aloft and it, check it. it. Check it, and it is one, I'm not sure of the actual, we've got to get it authenticated, but it's worth a good few thousand pounds. And ironically, I was going to say to my dawn, a few weeks ago when she was doing a boot sale, take it, take to, it. The, take it to the boots. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine the fine of somebody yeah. walking around and, and finding that? A brass. The, the it's, a, it's a real heavy-duty brass, solid brass. Is it a marching band? No, it's, a, it's called a Tama Superstar. And if you... Oh, so Tama. It's Tama. Well, my drum kit was Tama anyway, mm. but what I, I played. But it was... It's... Mm. It's a it's a real heavy 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 drums and they're mm. highly sought after for the recording studios yeah. and that because of the, di- the deepness yeah. of the sound. Actually. What, what music yeah. you into, Dave? Now now soul as well, really. Any yeah. anything mellow now? Can you dance Northern soul? No. Do you like Northern soul dance? Yeah, I do. I can, yeah, well, it's nice to watch, but I don't about to take part in it. I wish I could take so, part. Talk no, I think you got to know what you're doing. Yeah, now. yeah, I think you you're like, right, Charlie. Actually, t- talking of Northern so and one of my other guys is I actually do a radio program on a fr- Thursday night on Soul Beat Radio, where I actually do the show is actually entitled uh, Adult Education, but I do play what we call modern crossover, mm-hmm. and which that actually does encompass Northern. So- and did you carry on with the band when you did the knowledge? I no, because what happened when I actually got my funny enough, I got my license in I say in, in the September. Ironically in the in the October I had a telephone call from a guy called Gary Lee, a guy I used to supply records with who lived in Peckham and they was just starting up a, a pirate radio station and he asked me to be come and do a show on the pirate radio station 
And that, that radio station was KISS, which, which oh. moved into KISS, KISS FM. KISS, KISS FM. Oh. And I thought, well, I can't really... If I if you got caught back in the day for that, it yeah. was a criminal. Yeah, you like Forrest Gump, you know the Forrest Gump. In Forrest Gump, he's always accidentally making things yeah, successful. No, yeah. That's you. You made Spandau no, Ballet. No, you made Spandau. Kiss FM. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, good because Gordon, the, the the founder of Kiss, he's actually just been inducted into the the Music Hall of Fame oh, up oh. in Camden. They've got a. a Paving stone. Yeah. Bits is it still going? Because I used to listen no, to Kiss. No, Kiss, Kiss FM is still going, but Gordon sold it for, I think, I think something like £43 million. Pounds. Oh, right. So he's, so he's short of a few but, bob but, now. Yeah, but now he, he's gone on to start off uh, My Soul radio station, which is, I think it's about 10 years old now, My Soul. And they broadcast from the Stephen Lawrence Centre, which is... I, I don't know. It's in, uh, it's in Lewisham somewhere. Uh, Brookmill Road, Deptford. Oh, it's close, as a guess. Yeah, and so like, they, they broadcast from there. They've got some very, very good... I'm glad they call it My Soul instead of Our Soul. <laughs> <laughs> they must have fought long and hard about that name. Yeah, oh. it's, it's My Hyphen Soul. Yeah. The reason That's I asked, I had visions of him being outside some sort of a place gig with, with the cab, you know, with the drum kit in the back <laughs> and all that. You know, so you a lot just of cabbies did. Yeah, you can see that being in a movie, can't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah do you remember yeah. a lot of cabbies who were gigging musicians oh, would go yeah. to a gig in their cab yeah. with the drums on the, everyone the keyboards in the back? In the well, back. When, my, when my son's first, my son was a product, uh, product of uh, Goldsmiths and these first bands, I was the unofficial roadie tour manager and yeah that was good like. days eh and the cab would be lo- the old fx would be loaded up to the roof and, f- and five <laughs> members sitting yeah. in in the in the in the back of it but once uh, they started to get a little bit famous then obviously they uh well we should have him on you know get him on get him on the podcast he, 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 I, f- I think he'd come. he actually has done he regularly broadcasts on six music he gets invited in to do yeah. do, do regular sh- regular shows. so for those who don't know your son is eminem so just in case <laughs> no. you didn't know who he was no, my, my, my son is uh lewis maynard from the bass player with uh dry cleaning who big success over the last couple of years they played all the major festivals they were They're, always trying to break through when i knew them. So no, you're no, saying they've made a breakthrough. No, no, that, that was his previous band. Who oh, was, that was the Shark, who was the uh, the darlings of the South London music scene. They was every 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 South London musician. The Shark was the band that you go to their gigs, and it was just full of musicians. No one, mm. no, no, no fans. No, no fans. Just, he had no fans. It was just basically other uh, yeah. uh, other other musicians. But that since that. That they they all diversified into playing for with various other well known artists. Mm. Then actually, uh, dry cleaning started because I used to have a, a small studio back at my house in Boundary Road. I, I in, went in Sidco. You, yeah, I went to the small studio. I've been there. Yeah, I was in, there in, uh, back in the day when Sue was here, and we went there. Yeah, we went, yeah. It was like upstairs, downstairs. It was downstairs. It was downstairs. <laughs> in the garret. In the garage. <laughs> you took me to a little upstairs room. Hey, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, 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 was, that wasn't that. That was the uh, the other studio. That, that wasn't the music. Studio. That was that Stand club. Over there what was that club called? Shagger something. Yeah, oh, Shaggerama. Shaggerama. No, in, in, in actual fact, in that their first EP was actually called Boundary Road and Snacks, which is if you go onto Discogs now, is worth an absolute fortune because it's uh, rare. Because it, it, it is is very very rare. Did you ever go with? Whiskey a go go. In that was in Piccadilly, wasn't it? Whiskey Wardour Street. Wardour Street. Yeah. Wag Wag Club. The, the Wag Club. Yeah. Went to the Wag, but obviously not. So when it was the Whiskey a go, well, it was still a 
Yeah. Well, yeah, it was called yeah, the WAG. Yeah, I thought yeah, they abbreviated. Yeah. I just thought that was an acronym yeah, for Whiskey yeah, A Go Go. They changed the. Yeah. Changed the Do you know WAG? No. No. Yeah. You, you wasn't. So you, you're a proper. I don't know. You both know you're an Islington boy, aren't you? No, I'm a Bermondsey boy. But, you're but both Bermondsey boys. I'm a Bermondsey boy across the water. I married an Islington girl. So oh, you bought. You. I, 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 you I, got a visa. I. I, 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 I being an Arsenal fan, I used to joke that I married her for a parking space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At Ibury, but Yeah. But that's that's another story. That is another story altogether. Oh, Are you playing now still? But DJ wise. Oh, no, no drums. drum. Ironically, when my long, long story, my when we had to when I, we got divorced and we had to break down the studio, my son's wife at the time her parents lived up on the Yorkshire Moors and they had a great big house with a great big barn. And my my drums got transported up to Yorkshire where they laid idle for, for many years. And it was only tail end of last year that Harriet's parents, who was my, my son's ex-wife, was moving out to Portugal and they said, would you like to come and collect the drums? But they, did, they actually brought them down to me. I collected them from their yeah. place in... Kentish Town, they let they had a right. house in Kentish Town. So you've got them I, back. I, actually, so I've got them back. You set them up, and they are actually uh, still in their flight cases, aren't they? No, they're 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 actually up in up in the loft at the moment. But I I do keep threatening. How did so. you get a drum kit up in the loft? Do you play them calories? Like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've got, got a very big loft with a very big loft hatch. Wow, <laughs> trust me. But I do keep threatening to. Uh, but saying that, the bass drum pedal was actually out on the permanent loan to my son's drummer. He he borrowed it off me f- four or five years ago, and it's never coming it, back. It's, never coming it's back. not coming back now. No, no. No. Four or five years, he's got owner's <laughs> rights on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Did I ever tell you my Edward Woodward story? Ed, no, no. Edward Woodward, do you remember him? Yeah, I loved him. And uh, he, he was, was the equaliser. He was the equaliser, and he was on the set of the equaliser, and he was working with Johnny, my uncle. And it was my mum's birthday, and I was at home, and unbeknown to me, Johnny's going to ask him to say, will you ring my sister and wish her a happy birthday in England? So I get the phone goes at home, there's no mobiles then, there's a landline, the phone goes, and uh, said, it's June now. I said, oh, who wants to know? He says, Edward Woodward. And I went, go on, and put the phone down. <laughs> my uncle John rings back five minutes later, and says, someone's just put the phone down on Edward Woodward. I said, sorry about that. <laughs> Put him back on. Him back and on. this is at the time he's doing the equaliser. He was on the set of the equaliser at the time. And he was filmed in Manhattan yeah. around yeah. New York a lot. So yeah. Denzel Washington's his replacement now. Yeah. He hasn't rung. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably heard. Wait for the Because <laughs> oh, he was massive, but the equaliser was one of his later shows. Yes, it was. And it was my uncles, well, both of them. And they, both Limeys, as the Yanks call them, both yep, English. And yep. they, that was their sort of um, retirement things. Yeah. They both retired mainly after that. Yeah. Is he dead now, Edward Woodward? Yeah, I think he died, yeah. Long ago. Because he was old, on the, even on the equaliser, he was, he was coming into Yeah, when would that have been? Plus. Late 80s, 90s? Yeah, 90s? yeah. he would know, be 100 right. years old now. Might have been about 90, I can't remember now, is that? It's yeah. a long time ago from when the phone went. It was when Pete was a boy. Long but, time ago. a boy. Well, you, Pete, oh, let's just go some history then of cabs. What is your definition of a butter boy? But my, it's hard. I, I would say somebody within a, uh, just passed out within the last year. After a year, you know, no. a so not a three-year rule for no, you. No, no, de- de- definitely not. A, so it's all made up rubbish, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, yes, definitely. And what do you think it is? Do you think it's just a boy? Or this bread and butter garbage that I've heard before, where people say it. it I think it's if you go back to old English, the man, my dad would say, "Oh, he's but a boy. Yes. He's yeah. just a boy." 
That's what I think the phrase means. It doesn't mean nothing to do with bread and butter at all. He's a butter boy. B-U-T, butter boy. Butter boy, not butter as in Yeah, butter, apostrophe, yeah. A, apostrophe. It d- depends which side boy. of the Thames you come from, doesn't it, really? I think. Well. Whether it's a butter or a butter. Boy. Well, the thing is, we, we the three of us are coming from, we're all talking rather eloquently now in our 50s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what? One has to put on one's best beat. I actually did it. You are talking very posh, but that's this influence of Suze Islington background. She's put some poshness into it. No, actually, my Dawn's very posh. Is she? Yes. She's a Beckenham girl. Oh, jeez. Jeez, jeez, jeez. Well, basically, Beckenham's Lewisham. Anyone from Lewisham want to move to Beckenham? We're all culturally the same. There is something ironic. None of us three are talking our original birth accent. We are talking something that's... It, it, I it, think it, words it, change though as well, don't they? It, if you look at nice shows like, say like the Sweeney or something like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. and you think from the, say from the 70s, you, you hear words, you go, God, I know that one no, for I know. ages. Well, yeah, just, let's see if we can rattle some off. Oh, I I have, no one's heard... You ask a kid today what 10 bob is, 2 bob, 50 bob, 30 bob. Sixpence. Sixpence. Fruitly bit. Yeah, or... Um, what's another one from that era? There were so many words... When you see them, you forget them. You forget them because you don't. You don't don't hear them. Language changes, doesn't it? I think what I think Robert Elms on his program, he actually summed up. He said, "When I'm with my ex LSE friends, I speak in a posh. If I'm out with me mates who I grew up on the Millard Estate in Burnt Oak, then it your voice drops, goes up." A couple of octaves yep. to, as you relax, as, as you relax, and I think you, I, I, I find that actually in the cab, I speak uh, rightly or wrongly. I find I speak to the passengers accordingly. So, do you which, think it's because they don't understand us? I mean, I, I think my accent has evolved purely because I've travelled so much that if we spoke how we would normally speak. They don't understand what you're saying. Not with his intercom, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't know, Pete's got the worst intercom I've ever heard. That was worse than the fairway. Oh, it was shocking. It was Norman Collier, wasn't it? Remember Norman Collier? No. That's him, the comedian, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It was Norman Collier. I'll have to put a picture of him. He'd done the microphone thing. I think Jim Davison done a little bit of that gag as well. Talking of Jim Davison, actually, when I was... Going back to when I was saying I was working in the in the strip joints down the Acne Road, in particularly in the Acorn, Jim Davison was our actually Friday afternoon resident comedian, right? And he used to stroll in, and he was a scruffy. Yeah, he, he really was a scruffy. And obviously, even back then, I was playing soul music, and he used to say to me, "Turn that music off, put some Elton John on." <laughs> did you did you like him or not like him? He was he was funny as a comedian. Yeah, he, but. My my best friend was the keyboard player with Jim Davison on the on the tours that they would do, so they he'd done the Falklands. He would go off to the Falklands, mm. and uh, my friend hated him. He said he was horrible. I, I don't know him, so I'm not going to say Jim Davison yeah. is horrible or not. And I'm not going to mention my friend's name just in case Jim Davis is one of the fans <laughs> who's watching this, so he knows who it is. But yeah, I, and I always thought, oh, that's a shame. It's a shame that's, that yeah. maybe in real life because he was kid brook boy, wasn't he? Jim Davis. Yeah, that's right. He was a Cheltenham fan. He is. I've seen him at football square. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he lives on a boat now. You know, he lives on a. It's a nice yacht. He lives on the yachts. Where is that? Where is it? I don't know where he's moored, but I get the impression it would be sort of Southampton, Portsmouth, somewhere down there. Um, But it's it's the big ones. They're worth. I know that they go for somewhere like I'd imagine starting price seven hundred thousand to as much as you like. But you could probably get a cheap one, Sunseeker ish. Would be seven hundred thousand. That was that's 
He's, he's on one of the YouTube channels. You can go and see him. He's getting interviewed on his boat. It looks rather nice. But I didn't know that he lives on a yeah, boat. No. I don't know if he lives in a house as well because he might... On the, one of the YouTube videos, if you watch him living on his boat, he talks about the fact of how many women have taken the money off him because he's basically... He's five times divorced, isn't he, I think? And he must have gone through... Five boats. <laughs> gone through five yachts. <laughs> and they all get... They get everything. And I am one of those people <laughs> who thinks... It was originally a yacht, but it's a rowing boat. Yeah. <laughs> it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> no, no, divorce is costly in this country, and I think it's so much against the the men. The, the women get custody of the children, custody of the house that you have to leave, and uh, financially supported, which you have to then do whilst you're still living on the streets at Waterloo underneath the bridge in your box. Or in the back of the cab. <laughs> in the back of the cab. And you're still driving today, obviously, aren't you? You're still driving. Yes. Are you full time, part time? No, or part part time now, really, because I say my 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 DJ career as a in my twilight as a seems to have taken yeah. off, and I'm I'm getting more offered more gigs now than ever. Which well, Pete, in my last four podcasts, I've been asking people how much they take. So you are part time. So tell me, the last time you worked a shift, what did you take? The last time I worked. This morning, very this very morning. It's very morning. It's very morning. I started at eight o'clock. Yep. Once I dropped my nearest and dearest off at work in Lombard Street, and I finished about half past twelve. Was it when I text you? Yep. And I think I had one fifty. You see, now it's a good job, isn't it? Really, <laughs> not bad. <laughs> So we've been doing this thing, for, for, you know, in this trade, it's always been this mystery of what we earn, what what's the truth and everything else. And um, I know when I put these four podcasts out, I know I'm going to have the cab driver say, none of that's true, I, that's all rubbish, whatever. But the, everybody I'm asking, it seems to be back to sort of 90s standards. I, I, I was, in particular, the last two weeks have been phenomenal. It really, mm. it's, been, it's been very, except you're taking money, how it was back in, in the one mid- in one out. Obviously, I remember the mid eight, the big bang mid eighties, yeah. when basically when cab drivers shot themselves in the foot because they would drive around with their lights off, picking and choosing, oh. and that enabled the basically the tout that was, they was unlicensed back in the days. And they was it was advocated by there was an article by Richard Littlejohn yep. in the Sun. I remember Richard Littlejohn and yeah. Richard Littlejohn advocated this new breed of taxes on the street, which was Joe Bloggs in his beaten up. Or Cortina or 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 something similar, yeah. who would ask you where do you want to go, and they had an uncanny knack of knowing exactly what we would basically charge, and they would sit outside all the clubs and everywhere, and that's where obviously I think the cab trade did shoot itself in the foot, and also I remember being when we when Uber first come on to the scene, I was. Uh, a trade function, not like I attend many trade functions, and there was a certain well-known car- person from one of the big radio circuits. C- circuits, and when asked about this, what he thought the impact of uh, apps was going to be on the cab trade, his words was, oh, it'd be all right for the cokeheads sitting in wine bars because they don't want to walk out onto the street, but it's not going to affect us. Okay, now tell me who that was. Would you like me to tell you? Yeah. That was Brian Rice. I don't know who it is. He was the CEO of Dialacab. Dialacab. Where's Dialacab now? Not here. He, he, he did. He would say, he said, nah, he said, they, I'm worried about them. Yeah. He said, they're, they're no threat whatsoever. Yeah. 
No. Uh, um, what was I going to say about knowledge? The knowledge, though, is yeah. the knowledge still worth doing? I, Would you? Is someone watching this? On, on, if you'd asked me a couple of years ago, I would have said to any young man, channel your efforts into something worthwhile. And this friend. is before or after COVID days. This, this, this was before. So you still felt it would already start because of the yeah, Uber yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. It started because to decline. That, yeah, it, had, yes. it had. There had been massive decline. Yeah. In it. And I, I would have anybody compensating doing the knowledge. Yeah. I would have said no, don't bother. But as it, looking around now, our because obviously our numbers are now depleted. What with mm-hmm. the the license, the twelve year yeah. rule on cabs, etc. I would say it depending on or obviously on one thing is TfL which way. They want to take things. Yeah. Basically, it's it's in their hands. Yeah. They're why it's like when Amer- Amer- I speak to Americans in the cab, and they come in, they say, "You've got the greatest you you had the greatest cab service in the world. Yeah. Why is there any need for the likes of Uber? Yeah. We are the envy of the world. Yeah. Everywhere. And we're not just I, talking I like know. one step up. There is when I compare us to any cabs in the world, there's massive golf. Yeah, the golf yeah, is yeah, enormous. There's yeah. nothing that's even close. I think the Japanese might come close in Tokyo. They've got some kind of service going but on. The, the only people who don't know that are TfL. Yeah, that's that's the iron of it, and it's a sad truth. Mm. That they don't they don't they don't realise what they have got till it's gone. Going that's back to it. when you started in '82 and you had this era, the '81, '81. Sorry, <laughs> and, and I remember that era where you know Canary Wolf was just. Yeah, it started was like, oh. the development of the crop. So everybody's big money, weren't they? It was it's yeah. the Thatcher years. Um, so I'm wondering, was the was the phrase "the game's dead" pre that, or oh, it, it started that, from it, there? It, that, listen, that started whilst I was doing the knowledge, right? So it's cab, still there. Cab drivers would come alongside me. Ah, you ain't gonna earn no money. But saying that, I actually when I started the knowledge, my my grandfather, God rest his soul. He worked as a porter in the posh flats in Mayfair. Yeah. And I said to him, oh, I'm going to do, do... He went, nah, he went, it's rubbish. That was by grand, That was back in... And obviously, he would have spoke to a lot of cab drivers. Yeah. But then again, saying that, it's the old adage with cab drivers, you only hear about the good days, you don't yeah. hear, hear about the bad days. Well, I'm going to tell you a sad story then. I mean, basically, when I went to school, um, as a kid, we wasn't rich. And in, in terms of school kids, there was three of us in my school. We were the three poorest kids in the school. And it meant that my dad, um, so let's not go into too many personal things, but we were not rich. All the kids in the school who had dinner money, clothes, all their dads were cab drivers. Everybody who had, uh, for me, it was like they were mint. And they all lived in their own, they lived in houses. They'd stepped away from a council house. They lived in a place that had a drive. So I used to dream of that. My dad maybe. Please, Dad, be a cab driver because <laughs> we're poor. But anyway, it, so you feel it's worth doing now? I, I would say that there's definitely a resurgence, massively so. I, I think so. Yes, get up, sign up, get, come to the school. Yeah. How long did it take you to do it? Nice? From actually, from the actual day of actually starting it, because obviously the system was different. different then, because you had to do so many pages of the book before you could apply to go up. You was on a modular system. 468 runs, but you'd come up after doing 80 or 100, uh, 80 of those, correct. yeah. My first, from the date of my first appearance until the day of actually getting my wreck, I, it was 15 months. 
I actually spent all my working life in the city. I was actually a thing called a telegram boy. In the, in the running, s- running telegrams in, from one in, place in to city, another. Yeah, well, I was based in the uh, the old stock exchange in yeah. Frogmorton Street, which I knew, I knew the easy area, like the back yeah. of my hand. Always being in the West End after work. I knew the West End. It was outlying areas such as uh, Kilburn and that was... Yeah. Strange foreign territory. So, what do you say me? about this fact? Then you you done it in fifteen months, um, and I had some older cab drivers on. I don't know if you saw that particular podcast. David, the two old Sylvie was on it. He's similar here, but I think he's slightly. You're actually pre him. You're older mm. in the trade than he was. He felt that people today weren't working um, as well as we did because they would take you, you. Fifteen months is unheard of now. That's not going to happen. Nobody is going to do the knowledge in 15 months. Uh, but yet you had 468 runs to do, and they've got 320 to do now. And if you work on the system that they're telling you to do, which is you've got a search called My Radius, you had 936 radiuses to search, apparently. It, this whole task would have taken you a monumental amount of time if mm. you did that. But we didn't do that because there was tricks and traits of knowing what you needed to know to pass the exams. Mm. But now, minimum, you can do it in two years now, but you would never be looking at 15 months. Mm. Uh, but Sylvie says that basically that we, we don't work as hard now as they did back then. I think it was on my first appearance, I had Mr Lippitt, yeah. and the run went from the Theosophical Society. The Royal Philosophical Society. I think back in the day it was in Burlington Great, Great, Great Russell Street or something like that. Anyway, something like that. And it was going to Arundel Gardens, Labrook Grove. Yeah. And I said, I said, I, I, I dropped the Theosophical Society, but obviously I knew Arundel Gardens because the reason I remembered that was my old Raleigh runaround moped <laughs> had gone down <laughs> a few months earlier. But he, he, he said to me, he said, what was your recollection of going along Holland Park. So but what he was looking for, he was looking to see whether or not I actually went out... And noticed other stuff. On, 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 the, on the bike, because he was looking for... Because if you know Holland Park Avenue, it's trees, basically. Yeah. It's, it's basically covered I trees. I don't know Holland Park Avenue, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. It's, yeah. It, it, it's covered. It's cub- and that's what he was actually looking for. So you could give a... Di- yeah, that kind of ended as well, did Given the description to kind of prove you was going on a bike. Because yeah. one of the things they wanted you to do, still today, but it's hard to do, and we spoke about this earlier, they do want you to go out. But like you said, Dave, you, you had a massive experience. You're driving in London your whole life. The need to go out isn't that great. But this, the opposite end of the spectrum, there are people doing the knowledge right now who don't know London at all, but are sitting at home um, trying to absorb no, pictures just, of Google. That's what they shouldn't do. Any. I said the same. My yeah. son's just started it, and I said to him, "You need to go on the bike. You need yeah. to be out there." Yeah. And I would say to anyone who's driven for it, there's some roads you just don't need to go if you've driven them for years. What's yes. the point going to look? At, it's like looking at your own house, yeah. isn't it? Standing back and looking. What's the point? You no. know where it looks like. You know where it is. So basically, the idea is if you know it, you don't yes. need to go. Look but at if what you don't, you don't know. know it, you must sure. go and, and have that, a look. Yeah, yeah, and build up a memory. So the repetition of the visits will build up a memory and build up a visualisation that is only built up through repeated visits. There's no technique involved, just the more you visit somewhere. And I often say to people, you hear them say, I can't visualise it. When we think of Oxford Street right now, all of us have been up Oxford Street a million times. What do you think that truth of that image that we're creating in our head is? It's not real. We're just saying to ourselves that represents my image of Oxford Street. We couldn't sit down and paint a picture. 
Born and born in Hollingsworth, and <laughs> <laughs> all along the all along you can the, name every shop all, along all, all along the party. <laughs> Funny, enough, ironically, when I first got my badge, and obviously through working in the city as a telegram boy, people used to say to me, "Oh, such and such number, say Cheapside or something like that," and I would say, "What floor are you going to?" And they go. Excuse me, I say. Well, I tell you what company you got <laughs> because I, I I just happen to happen yeah. happen to know. Yeah, but it was so. On that note, it is worth doing. Yes, um, definitely. It is. I, I'm going to end it because it's been an hour and eight minutes, and it's a long thing, and it's been a lovely chatting. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you very much. It's really lovely having you Thank here and you so talk much. to you. And David, having you here again as my David. regular co-host. 